0: Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure you check out everything else in our network. Includes three yards per carry on the Dolphins and the NFL. Five rings, Canes, of course, on the Hurricane Shulabo pod. That'll be a happy one this week after the win against... Miami for FIU. And, of course, Balls Cast, Light Skinned Opinions, Fantasy on 5, and everything else. Also, 5 Make sure you spell it out. New column on there, the Launching Pad Weekly column from Nakias Duncan on the Miami Heat. And a new column by Greg Sylvander, his Gut Check column, which comes out every Tuesday. Before we get to today's episode, though, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Auto Nation. If you're looking to buy or sell a vehicle, Auto Nation is where you want to go. They're the largest auto retailer from coast to coast, and their friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs. Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes-Benz, and much, much more. And if you're looking to buy pre-owned, shop Auto Nation's huge selection of one-price pre-owned vehicles, all clearly marked with one price. Their lowest price guaranteed. Want to get rid of that old car? Turn it into cash today get a top dollar offer and a check the same day they'll buy your car with no purchase necessary here's the big thing if you're looking to do any of this stuff make sure you dm me at five reason sports we've already had a bunch of people have had a great experience here what i'm going to do is give your information to an automation senior manager so they can reach out to you directly and walk you through the entire buying process that's at five reason sports and now today's episode
1: welcome to five on the floor a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alfon Sydney, aka Al 954, brought to
2: you by the Five Reasons Sports Network.
0: All right, Ethan Skolnick, back here after the Miami Heat win again, still undefeated at home. Bounce back from the loss in Philadelphia. You know the world was ending, and then it wasn't because the Charlotte Hornets came to town. Miami continues to beat up on bad teams. The score tonight: one seventeen to one hundred led wire to wire pretty much in this game. Well, not quite wire to wire. The first minute was a little dicey. <laughs> they were down 7 nothing, And then it was wire to wire from that as soon as they kind of got their footing. Uh, leading scorers tonight, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo with 21 apiece. Kendrick Nunn with 19. Tyler Hero with 18. And Kelly Olenek with a nice game tonight with 15 points. I'm here with Alex Toledo at the arena. We're back in the press room after coming out of the locker room. And look, we're not going to over-focus on these games against bad teams. You know, the Heat has a big one coming up Wednesday night. We've got a watch party at Duffy's in North Miami Beach for the Heat and the Rockets. The rematch from the Heat blowing the Rockets out here at home a couple of weeks ago. But look, Charlotte's not good. Um, and a lot of these teams the Heat have beaten are not good. But they're blowing out teams they did not blow out last season. And that's significant. And they're winning at home, which is something they haven't really done the past two years consistently. If they just wanted home in a normal clip last year with how they played on the road, they would have made the playoffs. But Alex, we're really going to focus on, I think, two things today, and one is the rookies, and whether or not they can get this kind of play on the road against better teams, because uh, I think that's an issue if you look at some of the splits. And the second thing we're going to focus on is Bam VP. We got a new T-shirt on our website, which Bam Adebayo loves, so we're going to get him one in XL. I promised him. Bam Adebayo and kind of how he can counter what Philadelphia did to the Heat the other night, because we saw some of it. So let's start with the, with the rookies. I'm going to get to the numbers in a second. What did you see that you liked from Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn tonight?
1: So I keep feeling better and better about Tyler. I think he's so damn talented as an off-the-ball shooter. And he looks more and more comfortable with every game that he plays out there. I think it helps, especially with some of those best lineups he has out there where he's not the only shooter. In fact, they, they've been throwing out lineups out there with him, Goron, Duncan, Kelly, right? You have multiple Plus, very good shooters, and it's helped him a lot, too, because, you know, everybody's at the three-point line, right? The whole, the whole defense is guarding the three-point line. And I think Hero and Nunn have been impressive, man. They've been very good at home, but it's going to be tough, like you said, going forward, trying to project how, they, how well they perform on the road and whether those shots are going to fall. They've been very dependent on that.
0: Yeah, so let, let's get to Nunn now, and then I will get to some of those numbers. Um, I, I've said repeatedly that that Kendrick Nunn is going to feast against bad teams, and that is pretty much what has happened every single time they faced a bad team. And, and the reason that I think that happens is because. And even Bam said this tonight Uh, He was talking to you It was you or Manny I think maybe Manny after the game About how teams have blitzed Kendrick They've played him a little bit differently They've put him in a position to make him choose Whether to pass or shoot His instinct is to shoot Not to make a play for somebody else And so clearly that's on the scouting report But the reason that I think he'll do better Against bad teams is that bad teams Can't be that fixated on the scouting report They have enough other issues And, And they're not in position to kind of take away What you do well And so you know, none, every every game against a bad team, he's been terrific. But I put up some of the numbers tonight, and the splits are pretty dramatic. Coming into this game, Kendrick was averaging about 18, against, uh, 18 in the wins and roughly 13 in the losses. But the difference in shooting percentage was roughly 51, 52% versus 39%. So pretty drastic split. Now, okay, now some of this is chicken or the egg. I was talking to Cooper Moorhead about this, and some of it's chicken or the egg, right? Because if you lose a game, sometimes it's because guys don't shoot well, right? So it's hard to say that, that these guys not shooting well is why they end up losing the game, right? So it it, it could it works both ways, basically. You don't really know what comes first, but it's probably a little bit of both. And the reality is the four losses for the Heat this year, three of them were against really good teams, right? Uh, Philadelphia, Denver, and the Lakers. And one against a team that's been better than expected in Minnesota. And so... Hero's stats are roughly the same as nuns, maybe not quite as high on the high end, but again, he's averaging, he was averaging over 16 points a game in the wins and under 10 points in the losses. And again, plus 50% in the wins, under 40% in losses. Now, some of that is natural for rookies but it is something to monitor going forward because in the playoffs they're not going to play these bad teams and that raises the question how to how do hero and nun replicate these kind of performances, right, against a Charlotte where you see tonight, you know, none 7 of 10 from the floor for 19 points, a plus 8. Uh, Hero ended up being just a plus 2, but 18 points on 6 of 13 shooting, uh, you know, 4 for 4 from the line, 2 of 7 uh, from from 3. So you get, you get 37 points out of these two guys, and collectively they shoot, thir- you know, uh, what do they shoot, uh, 13 to 23. So plus, you know, on the plus side of 50%. How do you get this when you get into the playoffs and there's no more garbage to face, even in the East? You're still going to see an Indiana, a Toronto, a Boston, a Philadelphia, a Milwaukee. There are enough good teams.
1: So it's funny that you mentioned Cooper Moorhead because I was also talking to him tonight, and I was asking him how he feels about countering some of the stuff that, you know, the Sixers were doing with Bam where they were sagging off of him and kind of playing the pass because Bam was looking to pass almost every time he initiates from the high post, right? And one of the things that we got to talking about was how to get more guys involved to help Bam with that initiation. Like, you know, maybe getting... Nunn or Hero or Duncan running around bam when he's up there in the high post so they don't leave him on an island to initiate and I think that's how you get some of those guys going because like you said I don't think I think Nunn is a great scorer he's just, you know he's cold-blooded I do believe the shot is real I don't think that's something that's going to go away it won't be you know as proficient on the road cuz that's what happens to shooters but if they do some some more of those actions where they get guys going off the move, I think that's how you maximize them. Because we saw again with Hero tonight, he looks great when there's an action that sets him up to then take advantage of. Not when, you know, he's initiating or when he's the one dribbling, trying to create for others. And I think the same goes for Kendrick Nunn. They're different players, but some of those stuff are similar. So, like, for example, you try to get them initiating you know they have these sets where Robinson is cutting across the floor and another shooter like Hero is coming around the three I think those are the types of things you need to do and I think that's why Spo has relied so heavily on it so far because those guys are not guys who can create for themselves in the way that Jimmy can and it's also something that's been necessary because justice has been out so Jimmy has served as the playmaker to get these guys going because I think he realizes that their offense runs through them getting in rhythm, because he can get to a shot pretty much whenever he wants.
0: All right, so so let's
1: go through some of this with Hero and Nunn, and I'm gonna go rapid
0: fire with you on this, all right? Who is, fr- Kendrick Nunn is five years older than Tyler Hero. I think sometimes we forget that. In fact, talking to Bam tonight, he was joking that He's actually younger than Kendrick Nunn, but he feels like a veteran compared to Kendrick Nunn because Bam is his third year in the NBA and Kendrick Nunn is in his first, right? So we forget sometimes Kendrick is 24. Tyler Hero is 19. I mean, that's I mean that's a whole college career and a half these days, or even two college, three college careers difference between the two of them, right? So it's a totally different deal. And I talked to P.J. Washington tonight, who was Tyler Hero's teammate in Kentucky. He says none of this surprises him because Tyler was precocious from the first minute he got to Kentucky and believed he was the best player on the team. And that's the way that he – that's his attitude. That's that's how he performs at this level. Let's do some of this stuff rapid fire right now.
1: Long range shooter, who is better at this stage? Hero, none. I would still say hero. I think hero's touch is still superior. I think he can pretty much get to it. Like like we spoke about earlier, right? He has elite balance. Like he's great at getting in rhythm with his feet first. He has a quick stroke. He has a high arc. The touch is so smooth. I think, you know, he's not perfect, but he's already been an elite shooter off the dribble and off the ball. Whereas uh, Nunn has been a great shooter as well. He's actually been better than I thought he would be off the ball. But I think that has more to do with the fact that there's always another elite shooter out there when he's hitting these shots, right? Jimmy is the one playmaking when he's out there in that starting lineup with him and Duncan and Jimmy, right? And there's always two other shooters between Duncan and Myers Leonard out there, mm-hmm. and that makes it easier for Kendrick Nunn to get a good look after Jimmy playmakes. So I think Kendrick Nunn is a very good shooter, but Hero's got the touch and the, the advantage there. Mid-range. Mid-range, it's got to be. It's. I, I mean, I think it's obviously Hero. Hero looks extremely comfortable from mid-range. The shot just goes up even easier because he doesn't have to put as much legs into it, and... It looks smooth every time. I think he likes it a lot, too. He likes kind of faking off the three if they're closing out on him hard and then going for that mid-range shot or if they're playing him there, too, going in and kind of taking that floater, which is another similarity between him and Kendrick Nunn. So, yeah, I do think they're, they are kind of similar. At the rim. See, that one's tough. I would probably have to say Kendrick Nunn, but I do think they're both a little bit subpar in that area because Kendrick Nunn's inside game is pretty much those floaters right and i think he's been better at those floaters than hero has been so far but hero is a little bit better at making the reads like he's he's good at attacking the basket in timely situations but the length or the the lack thereof with hero and the fact that he can't really blow by guys takes away some of that so he's not you know as good as he should be in that aspect all right playmaking and passing that's another one, man. I got to say, I think it's Hero. Like, I don't know what it is. I I, I felt like I was saying that Kendrick Nunn was the better player and, in the beginning, but I keep seeing Hero and all these things. I think Hero's probably got, you know, more talent than Nunn does. Maybe people feel otherwise. But, yeah, man, like, he's he's pretty damn good at making those reads, whether it's finding guys inside or finding the shooters. I think he's really good at shifting the defense, and I don't think Nunn really has that in him. I think Nunn is a probably a better overall scorer, even though that kind of goes against everything I've been saying at the moment but Hero is the one more talented and and I think he's going to be the one that when he puts it all together is going to be the better player right, final one defense that's another one right it's like Hero has a little bit more size than Nunn and he's a little bit better at knowing where to be off the ball he's been kind of surprising there whereas Nunn is very good at, at I think as an on-ball defender, if he's guarding some of these, you know, dynamic point guards, like, I don't mind that at all. But once they start putting him in those in those off-the-ball actions, it gets really tough for him. He's always getting, you know, completely uh, shut down by these big guys who run these screens, and all of a sudden he's he's playing catch-up, right? He's playing from behind. All right, so you're putting all this stuff together,
0: and for the most part you're saying Tyler – I think we both agree that Tyler is more upside. I him mean, again, he's five years younger – and uh, there's definitely more upside with Tyler Hero. But the question is right now, right? So you and I are having this discussion. I don't want to do a ton of rotation lineup talk on this one because we've done a lot of it and we'll do more of it. But we're waiting for Justice Winslow to come back. You know, Spolcher said when I asked today Justice is expected to practice on Tuesday. We'll see if he's cleared. And if he's cleared and he practices, he's likely going to play in Houston on Wednesday. It means he could go back in the starting lineup or they could wait. If you're going to make a starting lineup change, though, and you're planning on making another one, it makes sense to make them at the same time. I wouldn't be stunned. I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I wouldn't be stunned if maybe Tyler Hero finds his way back in the starting lineup with Justice Winslow. Like, we've talked a lot about who starts Justice or Duncan or Nunn, which two of those three. I think we got to throw Tyler Hero in the mix because if, if they're envisioning Tyler being a starter next to Justice long term, having Justice out rather than have to make two changes, maybe you make you know, you know make two changes at once instead of making one change twice, right? And so it, it might be a little bit easier to do that. So something to monitor if it happens on Wednesday, certainly we're going to talk about it. Alright, we're going to get to Bam out of bio here in a second. I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network and that is the new gold club in Pompano Beach. That's right, Pompano Beach. This is not just a gentleman's club, it's for ladies as well. How, how do we know? Because women are never charged there. They can go there for free when ever they want they just open their kitchen so they've got a full menu there as well they've also got five dollar you call it monday so you show up on monday five dollars they'll fill your glass with whatever it is that you want and here's the big deal here um by the way they're open from 11 to 2 a.m every day the big deal is we're having a watch party there now we're having a watch party first as i mentioned for heat rockets at duffy's in north miami beach on 27th of november is coming up this wednesday but the following wednesday we're gonna have a watch party at the gold club for heat Celtics. so we picked two really winnable games there we'll see what happens on the road but we're going to be podcasting live from the gold club and again some of the men who listen to this podcast
2: our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too
0: Bring your wife, bring your girlfriend, bring both. Uh, whatever it is you want to do, come to the new Gold Club. Alpha and I and Alex are going to be on stage. All right, before we get to the next part of this podcast, it's not often that Alex asks a question and he's not dunked on. So he asked a question here in the post game of Eric Spolstra about Bam Adebayo. We're going to play two clips for you. First, Eric Spolstra talking about Bam Adebayo, and then Jimmy Butler talking about Bam Adebayo.
1: Tonight for Bam, he's did a little bit of everything. Great rebounding game. How do you feel about his next step, where he's shown this these flashes of doing stuff off the ball, taking the center off the dribble like he did tonight, and went in and slammed it? How do you feel oh, he's in that aspect? That.
0: Yeah, he's been doing that for uh,
1: 16 months, uh, but it's just it, it takes a while, you know, for him to get comfortable using it uh, during the course of the game. And he's doing, with, doing it within the context of of our offense and, and flow. He's He's not going out of his way to try to go in the bag and, and prove to
0: people out there that uh, that he has to score. He's just playing winning basketball. Um, but he works at his player development every single day. And you can see his footwork is getting better. His, his handle uh, uh, in traffic is getting better. Um, you know, when he's a threat, obviously that makes uh, the rest of our offense better because he's such an improved passer as well other guys are trying to let the young guys know what they can be at times and we see tonight with Bam shooting the jumper driving to the basket things we know he has in his game but he doesn't show all the time how much have you been on him to kind of bring that stuff out
1: I don't tell him to do anything Um, he knows what he's capable of and he has a freedom to do whatever he wants to do on offense because he's one of our best defenders Um, he's always his his toughness and his competitive drive um, dictate what he does on offense He's always going to compete, so we love him for that. I mean, he's, like I said before, he's the heart of this thing. He's the engine that that keeps us rolling. You know, everybody follows suit when it comes to that guy because he just plays so hard. Um, And he's, you know, one of the better bigs in the league because he does everything so well. All
0: right, so that's Eric Spolster and Jimmy Butler talking about Bam Adebayo. We want to talk about Bam tonight, not so much because of what he did tonight, Um, which was 21 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists, a block, 8 of 14 from the field, and 5 from 5 from the line, which is a real positive. He and Jimmy Butler were 14 of 14 from the line. If that happens, they're going to win a lot of games. But it's not so much for what he did tonight as what he didn't do against Philadelphia. And that is, against Philadelphia, they played him differently than other teams that played him. They backed off of him um, and basically decided if he wants to pass, he can pass. But if he's not going to make the other plays, if he's not going to prove to us he's going to take that 15 foot jumper, if he's not going to prove to us that uh, he's going to put the ball in the deck, then, you know, we'll live with him as a playmaker there. And it took away and you saw what happened because the assist numbers were way down for them tonight again not a great opponent not a lot of resistance but it reminded me a little bit of what we used to ask of chris Bosch. you know and chris was there tonight and got you you played you put some video on twitter of him too <laughs> having a good time but a lot of times with Chris, we, we would see Chris put the ball on the deck and get to the basket and flush it. I'd be like, why the hell doesn't he do that all the time? Like, he's capable of doing that. And it did. Now, he would take the jumper, but he would also drive to the basket on occasion. It'd be like, he has enough athleticism to do that. He has enough versatility to do that. And he has enough power to do that at the end of it. Now, Bam, in some ways, is a more powerful player than Chris is, but he has some of those same—he's he's springy in the same way that Chris was, um, and he's smart, he's intelligent, and he can read things, not to the same degree that Chris Bosh could at 32, but pretty, pretty good for a 22-year-old. What did you see tonight from Bam that you liked, and what is sustainable against— better competition when he starts to to go against again you know you're going against maybe not a Brook Lopez but some of some of the better bigs
1: in the Eastern Conference so i do Appreciate what Bam's been doing. He has been absolutely a part of everything they do on both ends, right? On on offense, they've been using him as a screener, an initiator, a release foul, as a lob threat, as a guy who, you know, can sink an open mid-range shot if they're giving it to him. But you're right. Against the Sixers, he looked a little bit weaker. He didn't have a terrible game, but it was a little bit like uh, it exposed him a little bit, not in the sense that it was a weakness of his, but if he's not looking to get his own shot and he's just looking to pass every time, they're going to play that, Right. And, you know, there's been Sixers fans that have been snarking on Twitter about, you know, appreciating a 6'10 guy who's a very good passer but who doesn't shoot. They're trying to, you know, compare Ben Simmons to Bam, which is funny. But, yes, in the sense that if Bam isn't taking that shot, that's going to be a weakness for them versus the better teams. It's not going to be a weakness versus these lower-end teams because they're not as good as defending that. You know, the Sixers, like we talked about before, present unique problems where they've got length and size at every position. And so even if you do have shooters running around Bam when he's initiating, they can cut that off every time. They can go under and just put their damn arms up because they've got Matisse Thybul and Josh Richardson and Ben Simmons and all these guys who are just going to hound all the shooters that he'd have been relying on. But Bam's next step is showing... You know, he, he's shown some of these flashes, right, where he's been able to take guys off the dribble like he did with Cody Zeller tonight. He completely blew by Marvin Williams and went for that jam in the second half. I think that's his next step, right? He has to be more consistent in that. And he's faster than most of the bigs that are matched up against him on any given night. And there's going to be times where if the pass isn't there, just drive right by them. And if at the very least you don't finish, he, he might get a couple free throw attempts. And I think that's something he's got to do more often as well as stepping into some of those in-rhythm jumpers where he a, I think he hit one or two of them tonight. I think those two things are, you know, things that are going to have to be incorporated more. He's going to have to become a little bit more of a three-level scorer in order for, for the Heat to really compete for some of these teams, especially when you get Justice back right, and they sorry. may not be respecting him as much as they're respecting a Nunn or a Robinson or a Hero when it comes to the three-point shot. Bam and Justice are going to need to take similar steps where they're taking advantage of defenses that are maybe not paying attention to them as much because they're too busy trying to cut off Jimmy and the shooters. Well, and, and we talk about
0: you know one game and not reading too much into it. Joel Embiid, we were all celebrating him as a player that the Heat couldn't handle, and tonight he went scoreless for Philadelphia. So it, game to game things, like right, right. But game to game things change uh, in the league, and so that's why we said the other night, don't read too much into it, right? Like the Heat rebounded. Philly faced a tougher opponent tonight in Toronto and lost another close game where there's some issues down the stretch. But I think with Bam, a lot of this is just him realizing what he can be. I, I think a lot of this is him developing that confidence in himself. And, and you know, again, part of, he was not a top 10 pick. Um, you know, he, when he came in here, you know, the projection was it was going to take a few years. But if you go back to what they said about him on draft night, they were touting his three-point shot. They were. That that's the crazy thing. When you
1: Remember look, the video that came out, when the video was, that came draft, right. He was, nailing, he, he all was na- nailing
0: all of them, and Calipari was, you know, basically said he didn't have him take. And he, look, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo, Calipari guys, right? They trust him implicitly, and even if you go back to Carl Anthony Towns in Kentucky. Like he didn't develop the outside game of Kentucky, at Kentucky, right? At all, he, he was. He, post. he was purely a post player, and then he comes into Minnesota and he's one of the elite bigs in terms of outside of fifteen feet in the league. Probably the best, right? So, so it's you know, you don't do it. It's always the old joke about Michael Jordan. The only guy to ever hold uh, Michael Jordan under twenty points was Dean Smith. His coach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because there's college coaches, sometimes they don't bring out, especially now when you only have guys for one year, right? So there's parts of Tyler Hero's game. That's why I wanted to talk to PJ Washington about it, because there's parts of Tyler Hero's game he never got to at Kentucky that you're starting to see now. There are parts of Bam Adebayo's game that Calipari only saw in practice. Now you're in the heat system, you're in the heat program, and you're enhancing what he worked on at Kentucky. You have a great working relationship with Calipari in Kentucky, so you knew exactly. Exactly what you had to build. I tweeted this the other night. I was told the night they drafted Bam Adebayo that they had done more research. I was told this by somebody in their security area. They done more research on Bam Adebayo than any player they'd ever drafted. They could not find anybody to say a bad thing about him. And the thing that everybody said consistently was, "You cannot stop his motor," and that has been consistent. They've been totally correct on that. And I also told everybody what I was told that night was, "He's the anti-Hassan." okay by people inside the organization so that is all proven to be true they freed him up now to to develop other parts of his okay, you're laughing but it's true it's what, look this is what people were talking about for 3 years i think it's funny that they had to
1: go out and find somebody to be that <laughs> <laughs> when
0: they had Hassan signed to a max contract he's he's the antithesis of our max player raising, this is what we're looking for it's true though that's what <laughs> they were looking for so so look bam has to me has only scratched the surface of this and it's been very gradual with him. I feel like it's been gradual, but at the same time, it's been steady, yeah. right? It's been gradual, but there have been parts of his game that you've seen come up, up, up. The passing ability you saw from the very beginning. Now, them running everything through him is a different story. But the passing ability you saw, but the and, and you saw a little bit of it out on the break, and you saw the switchability. Like these are things you saw, but the, the driving to the basket, the knocking down the twelve to to fifteen foot jumper, and eventually you expand that. These are all things that are in there for him, and I asked him, I'm not going to play this clip tonight because I'm saving some of this stuff, but I asked him tonight about the relationship with Jimmy, and he said basically Jimmy didn't come in here pretending or acting like he was the star, he acted like we were partners, and that relationship, the relationship between your best big and your star perimeter player is a critical relationship, look no further than Minnesota and what happened between Jimmy and Carl Anthony Towns. Does Bam have the upside of Carl Anthony Towns as an offensive player? Probably not, okay? Very few guys in the NBA have. But can he be a better defender than Carl Anthony Towns?
1: He can, even though Towns is defending at a better clip this year. I mean, I I think Bam's already, like, not only a better defender than Cap, but also I think he's a Defensive Player of the Year candidate, at least, you know, through these first 15 games of the season. I think he's been at that level where he is just – all over the place on defense, right? He's roaming, been a great rim protector or good rim protector at the very least. A good rebounder. He's, he can switch onto anybody, and he's great at the closeouts. Like he's good at all the little details. He's not just hunting for blocks, and, and I, look, I, no,
0: I mean sure, he's just not just hunting for blocks because when you hunt for blocks, okay, you'll get one block and you're gonna give up two weak side baskets while you're trying to do it. And and this is the stuff that infuriated the Heat. They don't have to deal with it anymore. And I probably should stop comparing them because it's really not productive. But anyway. Out of Buyout tonight, 21-13-5 uh, had the three turnovers, but had a block eight of 14 for the field. A plus 16. Jimmy Butler tonight, plus 29. Um, they were plus 17 for the game, plus 20. I mean, he, Jimmy Butler basically dominated a game while taking 11 shots.
1: We've seen this consistently, and we're getting to the point where we're we're kind of taking him for granted. See, I do want to say something about that though. I think that's something that they can only get away with versus some of these lesser teams. Maybe not versus the worst teams. I do think they can get away with it versus decent teams. Yeah. But Jimmy, you know, taking 10, 11 shots a game versus very good teams is something I don't think they're going to be able to get away with, which is why I think... Again, justice coming back gonna help them a lot. Not only on defense, but on offense, where you know maybe justice takes hold of these playmaking duties that Jimmy has had so far, and let Jimmy focus on you know picking his spots as a scorer. And he's still gonna do playmaking, but maybe he's he's not gonna be the point forward that he's been this whole time. And I think they're gonna need Jimmy to be their best scorer on a night-to-night basis, especially when you're getting to the end of the season and into the playoffs. I want I want to see Jimmy in the post more. I, I, I just, every time he gets
0: in the post, he's got a mismatch. Every time. He identifies a switch. They always get good action out of it, whether it's him directly to the basket or whether it's somebody cutting. Something good happens when Jimmy gets in the post.
1: And the thing is, they're, they're getting those switches all the time, right? And even if, like, for example, tonight, I remember one possession where Devonte Graham was switched onto him and Jimmy you know, was backing him down from, like, 12, 13 feet, and it's just like there's no chance, right? And from there, if they're not sending help or doubling – That's an easy bucket for him. If they do send help, he's going to find the open shooter, which is why I think the system that Spo has implemented this whole time works for right now. But he's got to take advantage of, you know, the mismatches coming, you know, down the road as a scorer.
0: Well, and when they start going against teams that have a lot of these teams are out West, but you're going against a team with Kawhi and Paul George. You're going against you know, we'll see it a little bit with Westbrook and Harden on Wednesday night, but even some of what Boston's developed so far with Kemba and some of the wings that they have. Sometimes your best scorer needs to be your best scorer. I agree with you on that, but you're right. Games like this, this is a game where you preserve yourself a little bit. Um, He played 31 minutes. He wasn't really taxed. They only had nine guys tonight available because everybody else is sick. Uh, But, you know, they, they were able to play between, you know, 14 minutes for Chris Silva up through 34 for out of bio so nobody got pushed too much alright one more sponsor before we let you go now I want to tell you something else about a watch party Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm go to onecalllegal.com. that's onecalllegal.com. someone there 24 hours a day to handle virtually any kind of case that you could have all over the state they're based in North Miami they handle immigration but they also handle uh, traffic tickets personal injury and so much more so onecalllegal.com. that's a Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm and again watch parties Wednesday night and Wednesday I this Wednesday night against the Rockets at Duffy's, we're giving away T-shirts. I found some Five Reasons hats in the bottom of a box, so we've got some Five Reasons hats to give away as well. We've got like eight Heat T-shirts at this point that you might want, also Dolphins T-shirt, and then our University of Coral Gables T-shirts that the FIU fans uh, are starting to buy up a little bit after beating University of Miami. And then the next week, as I mentioned, at Gold Club on the 4th of, this going to be the 4th of December for the Heat and the Celtics. Both watch parties start at 7 o'clock, Game start at eight o'clock. Talk to you soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition.